Hello, welcome to another episode of Academy Days. Today's episode features Nora Arjean. You might find it helpful to go back and listen to episodes two and six, which also featured Nora. Whatever you do, enjoy. Academy Days, episode seventeen, locked doors. Nora Arjean gathered up her backpack and took a step towards the door of the practice room assigned to her mentor group. I think we should start praying before we leave," Carmen said. Nora came to a stop, but it's time for lunch," she said. Carmen shrugged. "I didn't mean full-blown prayer meeting. I just think prayer is a big way we can show our support for each other. We'll just take turns bringing our group to God and asking for His help." Great. When was the last time Nora had prayed anyway? A year and a half ago, back when God started taking away the stuff she loved, bowing her head in church didn't really count. Nora backed up to her seat and sat down. "Go for it," she said. "Okay, I'll start, and we'll just sort of go in a circle." Nora closed her eyes. Going in circles sounded about right. What else could you expect from prayers you didn't really believe in? Carmen began. Her voice soft, but her words specific and thoughtful. Lacy prayed next with a sprinkling of "ums" and "so yeah." A pause came before London prayed, and Nora expected a rush of words to come in London's typical sprightly tone. Instead, London's prayer was short, but it held some kind of underlying emotion Nora couldn't quite grasp. Then it was her turn. Well, help us have a good lunch. Oh, and thanks for the food. Amen. On her feet immediately, Nora hauled her book bag onto her shoulder again. See ya. Time to make a quick stop in the library to print an article summary for history class. But even as she finished one project and started another, the belief in Carmen's voice, the innocence of Lacy's, and the hungry desire for help woven into London's words. Kept scrolling through her mind. Then again, how could any of those girls understand how pain hacked away at faith until it splintered? That afternoon, she walked up the front steps of her house and wondered if Xavier would come home tonight. Sometimes he texted to say he was staying at friends. That was on his more courteous days. Other evenings, she knew her mom dozed in the armchair by the front window. Waiting for car lights to sweep across the porch, on those nights, the door stayed unlocked, waiting, ready for the prodigal son to come back home. Nora turned and scanned the street. She wished she could just go inside the house and lock all the doors now, right now at three thirty in the afternoon, while the sun still shone bright against the row of yellow chrysanthemums across the road. She went inside and called out. Asking with one "hello," if anyone were there, no one answered. She could lock the doors. Whoever came home first would be annoyed, but she could. Nora went around to all three outside doors and the basement door, and locked each one with a twist or a slide or a hook. She went into the kitchen and pulled out chips from the cupboard, a pizza pocket from the freezer. She'd slept too late that morning to pack a lunch, 
and Xavier had been mysteriously absent from school. Not that she'd bother him for lunch money anyway. Not that she'd ever talk to him about money at all. After the seizure incident, Xavier had returned to Easton Christian Academy, but under protest. Nora was pretty sure he was just sticking around because of his girlfriend, Zoe. She heated the pizza pocket and carried everything upstairs on a paper plate, a water bottle under one arm. In her room, she locked one more door. Nora breathed, and for the first time all day, she smiled. It was a small smile, but the first one she could feel. She put her food on her desk and changed out of ECA's school uniform and into comfy clothes. Here, Surrounded by the warm, earthy tones of her decor and solid wood furniture, she could breathe. She reached down to spring open the hidden drawer of her nightstand, the nightstand that matched the one in her brother's room, gifts from her grandfather. She pulled a folder into view, the one holding printed case files she thought most helpful. Maybe she'd add to the folder tonight, after she finished her homework. For now... It was satisfying to see how thick the folder was getting, how much she was learning about court cases and the ways of lawyers. She settled in with her homework and her snacks, and two hours passed until her math was complete, her book report on sense and sensibility half-written, and the last bit of pepperoni was long gone. A thump came from downstairs, three more, and a muffled yell to, Unlock! Nora went down. Mom came in, grocery bags in both hands. There's more in the car, she said. Why was the door locked? I just left for a few hours. This is Easton, Nora, not the Bronx. She carried the bags down the hall to the kitchen. I grew up here. Trust me, everybody leaves their doors unlocked. Nora went out to the car and resisted the urge to point out that Xavier Argine now lived in Easton and was still managing to get into trouble, could bring trouble to them at any time if the past were any clue. She arrived back in the kitchen just in time to watch her mom tug on the basement door, grunt, and flip the hook lock. Really, Nora, Mom said, reaching inside the stairwell to stow a bottle of cleaner on one of the narrow shelves. What is this thing for locking doors? Nora didn't answer. She helped put away the groceries and stuffed the empty plastic bags into the organizer in the back of the basement door. Dad home? Mom asked, breaking ground beef into equal amounts. Nora shook her head. Good day at school? Nora shrugged. It was okay. Mom got busy frying hamburgers and Nora went back out into the hallway. She stepped quietly to the front door and twisted the lock. Nora! She jumped and turned around. Mom stood in the kitchen doorway, hands wrapped in a dishcloth. Unlock that door. It bugs your dad to have to wait. Nora unlocked the door just as someone thumped up the front steps. She tensed, but it was only Xavier who pushed inside. He glanced at her, at Mom, and rolled his eyes. She was locking doors again, wasn't she? She needs psychological help? Get her a shrink. He pounded upstairs, and his bedroom door slammed. 
Nora watched her mom to see if she'd noticed Xavier wasn't in school uniform, but mom just shook her head and went back into the kitchen. Either she hadn't noticed, or she'd given up. Nora was pretty sure both mom and dad had given up. She turned to go back upstairs. Maybe she could finish the book report tonight. Then she could study more case files. She settled back in front of her computer, placed her hands on the keys. Music thumped against the wall. She shared with Xavier's room. Just like that, she could see it: the car with the two guys on her home street in the Bronx, the vehicle thrumming with beat and threat, one getting out and coming up the front steps, thud, stride. She'd been about ready to unlock the door of the townhouse, but her fingers felt cold as he came towards her. Leather jacket, swagger, chains. He asked for Xavier, and she said she didn't know where he was. He owes money, the man said. He owes the shrapnel money. You tell him. Nora had nodded, holding her breath, holding the key. He'd turned to walk away. But the other man, the one in the car, shook his head and made some kind of signal with his hands. The first guy turned back around. The shrapnel wants the money now. The thump of the music pressed against her throat. What money? How much money? For what? But she didn't ask. Couldn't. She turned and unlocked the door, and found herself upstairs in Xavier's room, searching. All thoughts, all reasoning, left her in the fear of looking for money to make those men go away, and she found it—a stuffed envelope in the secret drawer of Xavier's nightstand. Maybe it was God who told her to look there first. Maybe. She yanked the envelope into view and somehow was back into the hallway and at the top of the stairs. That was when she realized how idiotic she'd been. She hadn't locked the front door, hadn't even closed it. The man was halfway up the flight of steps. She froze. His eyes, some unnatural red-purple behind contacts, lasered her with unquenched evil. Then the back door slammed open, and Nora, Nora, it was her best friends Marlo and Liesel from next door. Only then could Nora scream. She threw the envelope in the man's face as the sound came from her throat, long and tearing. In a moment, he was gone, and the thump of the music meshed with revving motor. Marlow and Liesel found her shivering on the stairs. That was the shrapnel out front. Why is your door wide open? Marlow slammed it shut and slid the bolt. Was someone in here? Liesel asked, out of breath. Marlow came and bent down in front of her. Nora answered, "Was one of them in here?" The music in the room next door stopped now, changed to voices and crowd roar. Xavier was watching a football game. Nora pulled herself from the memory of those stairs. Still, her eyes drifted to her nightstand with its own hidden drawer. When had Xavier started using his secret drawer for debt money? Instead of rare baseball cards, when had she stopped using hers for her diary, a book full of fun memories, and started using it for trial notes of criminals?
Mom called for dinner, and Nora realized she'd spent the past half hour looking at nothing, remembering, longing to change the way life was now. She squeezed her eyes shut. Stop being emotional. You're going to do something, not just sit here feeling, feelings. She went down to dinner. She'd spend all evening on the case notes. She'd be ready when the time came to put the shrapnel and anyone like them where they belonged. Nora sat down at the kitchen table with her family. Xavier came with earbuds, bleeding tiny voices. Dad bowed his head, raised it, made Xavier do something, made him put the headphones on the counter. Then he bowed his head again, and blessed the food. They built burgers and used tongs to put salad on their plates. Nora listened as Mom talked about what was on sale at the grocery store, and Dad described the mess the kids at the local high school had made during a pep rally. Her dad, working as a janitor, picking up after kids her own age who should know how to use a trash can. I'm going back to the city to clean out the rest of the storage unit this weekend, Dad said. I'm going, Xavier said. At the same time, Nora said, "Take me too. I'll help." Dad shook his head. No. Xavier banged his fist on the table. Yes, I am. Dad, please, Nora said. So much for not feeling feelings. She heard tears in her own voice. Please, I haven't seen Marlo and Liesel in ages, and I want to see everybody at the youth center, and I need to see home. She scooted back her chair and left the kitchen. Tears, uncontrollable tears. In her room, Nora sat down on the floor. Her back to her bed, and fought against the ache in her soul. Stop, stop. She almost choked, as her mind told her the tears were useless, stupid. Dad came to the door of her room and stood there. I thought, I thought you were doing all right with everything, he said. Nora looked up at him, just because I don't swear and stomp around. And stay out whenever and wherever she asked. Then I must be all right. Dad came in and sat down on her desk chair. He leaned his head in his hands a moment. I'm sorry, Nora, he said. Just let me go with you, Nora said. Just let me have a day back home with Marlo and Liesel. The storage unit isn't even in that neighborhood, Dad said. You can drop me off," Nora said. Dad shook his head. "I've already told Xavier he can't come. It wouldn't be a good idea for him to be back there. I can't take you and not him. You can call your friends. You know that. And maybe next summer." Nora got up and threw her school shoes into her closet. "You got off work to go," she said. Dad shook his head. I don't work on Saturdays. Nora banged her closet door shut. I know. School janitors just clean up messes five days a week. They don't have work on the weekends. They don't make sure the kids are all right, have somewhere to go, and enough to eat all weekend. Nora, 
We had to leave the setting course youth center of the Bronx. We were hurting the ministry. Nora whirled around. Xavier was hurting the ministry. Xavier was the one hanging out with the wrong people. Exactly. We had to leave for his sake and mine. I was getting sick, Nora. My mind was literally shutting down. You could have just sent Xavier away. You could have just taken a vacation. You could have. Nora held out her hands, and now, not even working at the church or anything, just being a janitor. Her voice tapered down to hoarseness. She'd said it, what she wanted to say for months. Her dad watched her. And the tears in his own eyes were what sent her out of the room and downstairs. She grabbed a hoodie out of the hall closet, she didn't know whose, and pulled it over her head before going outside. She'd walk to the library, and stare at a computer screen until the moisture in her eyes dried, and everything was boiled down to facts again. Facts would bring everything back to the way it was supposed to be. And she'd find them too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Academy Days. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating below. Also, if you'd like me to know what you think about the show, you could email me at academydayspodcast at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening. Bye.